Welcome to the Gotham Sports Report Podcast on 89.1 FM WNYU. Here are your hosts, Jack Dweck, Joe Kurtz, and Morris Zarif. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gotham Sports Report. Today, we have a very special guest with us here on Gotham Sports Report. We are joined by none other than Michael Kay, the voice of the New York Yankees on the Yes Network, host of the Michael K Show on ESPN Radio New York from 2 to 6.30 every single weekday, host of Center Stage on Yes, and now author of the new book, Center Stage, my most fascinating interviews from A-Rod to Jay-Z. You can get it anywhere you get your books. Um, Michael, we are so happy to have you on today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on, guys. So before we get started, Michael, I just wanted to thank you because we started this show six months ago, the first New York-centered um, NYU sports show because of the Michael K. Show. All three of us are listeners of the Michael K. Show. Really? In the New York area. And that's how we started the show. Well, that's pretty cool. Who's yeah. the Peter Rosenberg of the group? Uh, I, I would say it's me. I would say it's me, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely Morris. I, I feel like Jack's the you and I'm the Don. And wh- while we're thanking you, I also wanted to thank you because on Tuesday night, me and Jack got to go to the Nets game courtesy of the Michael K show. I, I was the one who won the tickets. No kidding. Did you yeah. have a good time? Oh, my God. Seeing Kevin Durant live was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Oh, I'm glad you got to go. Wow, I'm glad we got you the tickets. That's cool. Yeah, really, really thank you so much. All right, so I wanted to get into the book, um, into your new book, Center Stage. Um, so just as a general point to start, why did you write this book? Well, a couple of years ago, uh, you guys might remember I had vocal cord surgery, so I couldn't speak for six weeks. Uh, so filled with anxiety watching the games, watching other people do my job, wondering if I'd ever be able to talk again. So I read a lot. And one of the books I read was Howard Stern Comes Again, uh, which was Howard's compilation of a lot of his interviews that he'd done over the year on radio. But he took snippets out. Uh, Then I started to think, you know, we've done 240 interviews on center stage. Rather than snippets, I can run transcripts of the entire interview. And I think interviews play differently in print than they do on TV because TV, I think a lot of people will see flickering images and miss some of the things that people are saying in print. You can't miss it. And I said, then I could give the backstory to the interview, how those people actually acted, how they treated people behind the scenes. uh, And that would make a pretty good book. So I pitched it and uh, the publisher said that they liked it. And, and here we are. And the book was published on Tuesday and so far doing well. So you mentioned that, um, you've done over 240 interviews. So what went into deciding um, which interviews were in the book and which interviews were unfortunately left out? Yeah, good question. It was hard. You know, they said, I said, well, let's just do all 240. And the publisher looked at me. So, well, the book would be like 2000 pages long. (laughs) So I didn't realize how much fits on a page. And they said, you got to pick out um, 35. That's the most that you could do. So I found it very, very difficult to eliminate, you know, certain interviews. So I, I gave them a list of, I think, about 55 or 60. And then I sat down with the publisher and the editor and we started to winnow it down. 
you know, they, they obviously are concerned about cross appeal, not just sports fans and not just New York. So we wanted to get a cross section of guests and, um, you know, the final five from 40 to 35 was pretty difficult. And then we finally came up with these 35 and that's, that's how we have it. I was kind of curious. Is there anyone that you wish you could have fit in if you had extra pages? Yeah, I would have liked to have put in um, a couple like um, I would have liked to have put in uh, Terry Crews, you know, the actor mm -hmm. uh, when he was on the show. Uh, he talked about how he was sexually abused in Hollywood and he got very emotional and, and was crying on stage. And I thought it was very moving and I thought it was important for people to hear a story. And that's why he's not one of the 35 interviews, but I do mention him in the preamble to the book. And I, I want that story out there. Uh, you know, that was a really tough cut. Uh, Stephen A. Smith, I thought was a great show. That was a tough one to cut. Um, and, and Chris Russo, Mad Dog Russo was also a lot of fun. Uh, and, you know, the argument from the editors and the publisher was he's not really a national name that would appeal to people in New York. So, Again, they have reasons for everything. They do this for a living. I don't. So those were some of the tough cuts for me. It, it seems like a lot, um, a lot of this book is getting people to open up and, you know, like having a real conversation with them. So how, as an interviewer, are you able to do that, to get your interviewee, to get past like the surface level, what everyone knows about them and to really open up and talk about who they really are? Well, I think the structure of the show helps. You know, when you when you talk to somebody for an hour, at some point they're going to relax. And if you look at the 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 shows, and and they're all archived on yesnetwork.com, you you definitely do see that after the second segment, people loosen up considerably. And I, I think you've got to make it. I think you bring up a great point. And it's a great phrase. You, you got to make it a conversation, not an inquisition. If it becomes an inquisition, people get their backs up against the wall, and I don't think they're as forthright. And if it becomes a conversation where, in their mind, the audience is eliminated, the camera is eliminated, the people that might be watching on TV, they're eliminated, and they're just talking to you, then I think they feel more comfortable and open up. And the final thing that I always tell you know young people that ask me about interviewing, I don't know if there's any you know tried and true way, but I've always felt when you interview people, it's important that the questions are short and to the point, because if your questions are longer than the answers, that's not good because the interview subject is the star. So in, in this case, in center stage, they're, they're really stars. They're celebrities. They're really famous people. People want to hear from them. They don't want to hear from me. And, and I'm not saying that that's the right way to do it because there are very successful people uh, in the television industry that interview people for a living. And they drone on and on and on with questions. And I think they're trying to show how much they know and how prepared they are. I don't need to show people how smart I am. I'm not that bright. So let's get that out of the way. I just want to get the information out of the people. I just give the quick question and let them run with it. Michael, have you ever had an interview where somebody just completely changed their own perception and how you view them after the interview? You know, I, I certainly had a, a perception of Mike Tyson coming in. Uh, and that interview to me, of all of them, I mean, my favorite interview of the 35 is, is Larry David of Center State, uh, of, of Curb. But the, um, the interview with Mike Tyson went so many ways. Like, he got on stage, right? And 
He started sobbing at times. He started laughing uncontrollably. He got angry. At times I thought he was going to hit me. It was, it was intense. It was like soul bearing. It was really raw. And people that were in the audience that day, you know, they'll come up to me and they'll go, wow, that was amazing. And I only found this out about a week and a half ago. So it's not even in the book, but that show aired on yes. And Spike Lee was watching. And at the end of the show, he picked up the phone and called up Mike Tyson and said, that's a Broadway show. That's a one man Broadway show. What you just did on that show. And they made, you know, the Mike Tyson one man show on Broadway, which was very successful. And the only thing that I take out of it is how did I get eliminated out of the equation? Why wasn't I on Broadway too? But <laughs> at least they got a Broadway show out of an interview that I did. Uh, I want to ask you about another polarizing figure, especially in New York sports. Uh, and that's A-Rod. He's the title character in the book. Um, and really we've seen a transformation from A-Rod um, from the time, you know, like the early 2010s where the steroids and, and just his persona in New York versus where he is now and how he got to that point now. So do you, do you have any insight into that or just how he's changed as a public figure over time? Well, that was one of the reasons we included in the book also made the title kind of cute A to Z, but um, that interview was done in 2003 uh, when he was at the Texas Rangers. And, you know, I, if you read through that interview, you kind of see a little foreshadowing or foretelling of, you know, the things that would befall him later in life. But, I will tell you, and I've told Alex this, his nickname shouldn't be A-Rod. It should be Lazarod. I've never seen somebody rise from the dead like him. He was at the lowest of lows professionally. I mean, he was suing baseball. And he was suing the Yankees. I, I thought he'd be persona non grata forever. And now he's become a crossover star with Shark Tank. He's literally the voice and face of baseball on ESPN and Fox. It's one of the great redemption stories I've ever seen. He's changed the way people think about him. He's got crossover appeal. And I've said this on the radio show, maybe you guys have heard, they should teach this course in every college in the country. You know, whoever handled this spin and this PR, they did some job. And, and Alex did a, a pretty good job as well, somehow reinventing himself where he's now, you know, for the most part likable. So it's an amazing American success story. And it shows you that in this country, people like to knock you down, especially if you're on top, but they allow you to come back because they like a good comeback story too. And this is one of the greatest comeback stories I've ever seen. How, how different is a long form interview on a show like Center Stage versus being a journalist for like the New York Post or the Daily News or just doing an interview on your show, The Michael K Show? It's a vastly different, but I think the things that I learned as a newspaper writer, where you have to get, you got to get your information. You've got to get questions out quickly. You've got to know what you want. It does serve you well in long form. And I just think in long form, and there aren't a lot of long form interview shows anymore because everything in this world is quick. And you know, what can you do for me in three seconds? Long form interviews give you the best answers. Uh, it opens up. It makes people peel the layers off the onions. And you really do get a chance to, to look inside and how they became successful because Center Stage is not a gotcha show. It's more of a career arc, life arc sort of show. How did you get to this point? And uh, it's a lot different than, than uh, being a journalist to write a newspaper story because you're trying to tell a broader story over a long stretch of time. Um, we're on with Michael Kay, the author of Center Stage, my most fascinating interviews. 
from A-Rod to Jay-Z? This isn't a center stage question. This is just a general, um, you know, interview question. But you've had Sam Darnold on as a weekly in the past couple of years, um, the quarterback of the New York Jets. Um, how difficult is it to, to have an interview, especially a weekly interview with someone who you know is struggling, uh, you know, you're basically going to get the same answers week after week and try to keep that fresh and try to keep the audience engaged with something like that when it's kind of difficult to do so. I don't know if we succeeded. I, I really don't. You know, those are those are really tough when you when you have a weekly guest on from a team and that team is doing poorly. They don't want to do it. You don't want to continue to hammer the guy. You know, for the most part, Sam was a really good guy. And it became awkward after a while. And I think it became like awkward listening. But I think sometimes that draws people too because they want to see how awkward it gets. Everybody slows down on the side of a road at a wreck. And I think people tuned in to see how bad the wreck was going to be. Um, you know, there are times like that when we have those sorts of weeklies that I adhere to what Don LaGreca says, you know, guests are whack. It's just tough. Sometimes it's tough. I mean, guests are right in the right situation. But when you have a weekly which is important, you know, in a, in a five day a week radio show, especially for fans and you pay them. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. A lot of our weeklies have been bad. Uh, Landon Collins, we had for a while. He was awful. He could never find a good phone line. Other people didn't call in on time. They're irresponsible. Uh, they give yes or no answers. Uh, some weeklies are great, though. Uh, Eli Manning, when we had him on, he was tremendous. No matter how bad the loss he called in three minutes early every single uh, time, was always on time, always considerate, always polite. You know, it, it's really, it's person to person, guest to guest to see if it works. But uh, last year, the Sam Darnold stuff was was tough. It sometimes like seems that when you have athletes on or even celebrities, they give the same regurgitated overdone sayings like, like we have to be better as a team or we have to improve. So, how do you as an interview try and get your guests to open up more in that without overly prodding them to give you an answer? You know what? You almost have to, again, in a short stretch of time on the radio, you've got to have some fun with them. You've got to humanize them. And if it's not working with, you know, why'd you throw that interception on third and six with your team down by four, it's got to be something more. I mean, you've got to bring out the guy's personality make them feel comfortable, make them laugh. And if you can, then again, they start to think they're in a conversation and they're not being, you know, sitting down for a deposition. If it becomes a deposition, they really become defensive. And the more defensive the subject is, you're not going to get anything out of them. As a sports media figure on Yes and ESPN, how do you connect with people outside of sports on a show like Center Stage, which interviews both athletes and non-athletes and from people from all different walks of life? You know what? Uh, ever since I was a kid, I, I just have a curiosity about things. So I think the Yankee brand is the connection to get some of the guests, you know, because they know that, you know, the Yankee brand carries a lot of weight. So the Yes Network is going to be a responsible, you know, network. Uh, but when I sit them down, it's just that it's that 12 year old in me that, you know, why is this person famous? You know, how did he become famous? How did he become rich? So those questions that I always have just in my mind, watching television or seeing somebody, I get a chance to ask them. And again, if you could, if, you know, when people come to center stage, it's, it's run in such a, a top flight manner with, by the people at yes. And 
you know, it's just as good as anything that's done on a national level. I think they feel comfortable. They know that they're not in a slipshod situation and maybe they know me from the Yankee games. So as long as you make them feel comfortable, they're going to tell their stories. And I think that we've been able to do that over the years on center stage. So before they come on to the show, um, are you speaking with the guests before trying to get a feel for them or is the first time you, you get to speak with them on stage on camera? Well, I have a producer and what the producer does is they will call the, the person and they'll talk to him for a while because we'll put a script together, which I go off of, but it's just like a skeleton of how we want the show to go. So the producer will talk with them at length. I don't like to talk to them that much and leave the interview in the dressing room, but I do make it a point all the time before the show begins to go into the dressing room. So the first time they see me is not when they walk out on stage, because then there's going to be that, you know, dance of seduction that's going to take place for a while. And, you're wasting time, you know, that the show, the cameras are rolling. So I'll go in, shake their hands, say hello, but I won't talk about anything that we're going to do on the show. Sometimes if they're Yankee fans, a lot of them are, they'll ask about the team. So that, that becomes a relaxing thing. But I know that, you know, I, I read somewhere that Letterman never liked to go into a dressing room before because he didn't want, you know, he wanted it all to be new on stage. So I, I'm not quite to that extent because I will go in and say hello and people knew, David Letterman anyway. There are a lot of people that come in here, don't know who I am, so I don't want them to walk out on stage, and that's the first time they see me. But I don't have to talk about what we're going to talk about on stage. All right, so we're on with Michael Kay, um, author of Center Stage, my most fascinating interviews from A-Rod to Jay-Z. So, Mike, I wanted to pivot for a couple of minutes to the New York Yankees, and you talked about the Yankee brand, um, and that brand is a brand of excellence. Uh, it's a team that's consistently supposed to be excellent. And this season, we haven't seen that. We've seen a team that's been struggling, especially offensively with the lineup um, and its construction. So how do you see the Yankees moving forward? Do you think they try to pursue that excellence in, in making moves or, or trying to obtain players? Or do you think they just stand pat? I think they'll try, um, but they're right up against the luxury threshold. And I don't think they're going to be allowed to go over that 210. So if Brian Cashman is going to bring different players and he's going to have to get very creative, he's going to have to move salary or give up top flight prospects to bring somebody in and have the team that traded him that player pick up most of the salary, which is, you know, essentially what what's happening with Rube Neto door. You know, the Texas Rangers are paying him for the next two years. Yankees are just paying minimum. But I think, you know, what Brian said the other day is pretty much the truth. This is a situation where the, the solutions have to come from that room. Um, this is a, I think a, a flawed team. It's, it's poorly constructed. It's too right-handed. It doesn't run the bases very well. They are not able to generate runs other than with home runs. They cannot, you know, run the bases well, and they don't steal bases. There's not a lot of speed. There are very few left-handed hitters. And I, that's not about talking about taking advantage of the short porch, they're just not balanced. Their lineup is all right-handed. So when they face a team like Tampa Bay that has a lot of hard-throwing right-handed relievers, you know, Kevin Cash could go to the bullpen and know that there's a whole lane of seven right-handed batters in a row that he could bring Pete Fairbanks in to try to get out. So that's a problem. I think that, you know, people ask me this thought, can the Yankees still make the playoffs? Yes, because they don't have to have career years. If they just have years to the back of their baseball card, they'll do it. But the key with this team, and you've seen it the last two games in Toronto, 
or against Toronto and Buffalo, if they don't hit home runs, they're not going to win. That's the way they're built. They have to hit home runs. That's how they will score runs. They will not get five or six hits in a row. They will not go first to third. They will not move runners. They will not create runs. So they've got to hit home runs. Uh, and I guess their best hope of returning to that is that by taking away the sticky stuff from all pitchers in baseball, maybe you're bringing those pitchers down a notch to normalcy rather than high spin rates, 100 miles an hour. And maybe it's a little more of a fair fight. And if it's a fair fight, maybe Stanton ends up with 35, 40 home runs. Maybe Judge ends up with 35, 40 home runs. Maybe Gary Sanchez has 35. Luke Voigt comes back. Maybe it's 25 the rest of the way. If you see those numbers start to develop, then I think they've got a chance. And uh, the only thing I worry about, you know, if opposing pitchers are going to take that step down, well, the Yankee pitchers might as well. So how are they going to hold up? And are they going to be able to have run prevention to the point that the home runs the Yankees hit will get them wins? You know, yesterday, um, Tyler Glass now spoke with the media about the sticky stuff and he basically went on to say that it led to his injury um, where he tore his, I think it was his UCL. How do you see that um, moving forward with Major League Baseball, especially since also Garrett Cole basically admitted to using the sticky stuff throughout his career? Well, the Glasnow thing is interesting, but I, I don't know if there's any way to prove it. I mean, that's his opinion. I mean, people partially tear their UCL all the time, and it doesn't have anything to do with sticky stuff. So – that, that'd be tough to prove. Uh, I think the solution is there. It really is. I mean, just have both sides come together and have an acceptable substance that helps people grip the baseball but doesn't allow them to weaponize it where it's so sticky that it increases the spin rate. And I think what Garrett Cole proved yesterday, his spin rate was down on his fastball about 200 RPMs, which is significant, and he was still dominant. So I don't think you need the spin rate to be great if you're a great pitcher. And this guy throws 100 miles an hour, so I think he'll be okay. But uh, they've got to come to some sort of an agreement because I think there is a fundamental problem when it comes to gripping the baseball. The baseballs are chalky, they're kind of slick, and it's hard to grip the baseball. So if you see a proliferation of batters starting to get hit, that might, that might force some sort of change. It's just the thing that worries me, guys, is that the, the two sides are like this. They just, they yeah. don't agree on anything. And it's hard for them to sit down at the same table and say that's blue or that's red. They just don't agree on anything. And I think this is embarrassing that you have to change a significant rule midway through the season and affect some of your highest profile players. It's not the way to go. This stuff should have been done during the off season. They've known about it forever. This is a rule that's been on the books forever. And then they decided to do it on June 20th. It's kind of curious. Okay. So in our last two minutes that we have you on, I wanted to play a game that you play on center stage. It's called hit and run um, where we ask you a couple of quick questions and you give the first answer that pops into your head. So okay. what is your favorite call um, in your career broadcasting the Yankees? Probably the Jeter 3000 call, you know, history with an exclamation point. But with the Yankees, I mean, I'm so lucky that there's so many things to choose from because they've had so many big moments. But of the ones I've been lucky enough to be on the mic, the play-by-play -play -play would probably be that one. All right. Choose one, Peter Rosenberg or Don LaGreca? Don LaGreca. Choose one, Don LaGreca or Rick DiPietro? To do a show with or as a I'm letting hangout? You pick... You pick uh, 
to do a show, Don LaGreca, to hang out with Rick DiPietro. Okay. Um, if you could interview any celebrity or athlete that's alive today, who would it be? Celebrity would be either Bruce Springsteen or Billy Joel or Jerry Seinfeld. And the athlete would probably be Michael Jordan. All right. If you had a job outside of sports or outside of media, what do you think you would do for a living? Uh, probably be in um, advertising or public relations. And final question, if you were in a foxhole and you could only have one person with you, but I'm going to add uh, the caveat that it cannot be a family member or a spouse. Can't be Jody. Cannot be, be Jody. Jody. Okay. Um, it would probably be David Cohn. So smart. Um, just like probably the, you could see why he was a great teammate because he's a great teammate on Yes. He takes the hit for us with our bosses. When our bosses are in a bad mood, he'll be the one that deals with it. He's just a real smart, giving, shrewd guy. But somehow, with David in the foxhole, I make sure DPHO squeezed in as well. All right. <laughs> and that's the profile picture, don't you? What was that? You really love how he made you his profile picture, don't you? Oh, I mean, what a guy. I mean, he's the best. What a guy. Real in that shirt. I don't know if I want to be a profile picture in that shirt. <laughs> um, but that is all the time we have um, with you today, Michael. Um, you could buy his book anywhere that you get your books, online as an ebook or in print. The book is called Center Stage, My Most Fascinating Interviews from A-Rod to Jay-Z. Jay Thank you, Michael. Thanks a lot, guys. This was fun. And thanks for listening to the radio show, too. Thank you for coming on. We can't wait to hear you tonight. All right, thanks, guys. So that was Michael Kay, host of The Michael Kay Show and author of Center Stage. Um, what do you guys think of that interview? Michael was incredible. He's an incredible read, and he was more incredible in the interview. He's somebody who I've been listening to since I was eight years old as a Yankee fan. He's somebody who I continue to listen to daily, and... It's some, he's somebody who I listen to now on the radio show every day and somebody I've watched center stage and he was incredible to just speak with. And he gave a lot of insight on his book and on the Yankees themselves. So great. Thank you so much to Michael. And I really, you guys will enjoy the. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. It, it, it's just like, you know, your whole childhood, he's the voice you're hearing every single night when you turn on the Yankee games on Yes Network. He's the guy you're hearing on your drive home from from work he's the guy you're hearing and like your lunch break it's so cool to finally being able to ask him some questions and we really were able to talk to him about this book and not only about this book about some other topics like the Yankees we got into what he thinks is wrong with the Yankees uh, what his thoughts on the sticky stuff situation surrounding Garrett Cole and Major League Baseball and that was really cool just to be able to talk to someone of his level and really get into it so it's not even that it's also just to go on a deeper level with someone who, who really interviews for a living right? Because Michael is a reporter. He's a host of an afternoon drive show. He hosts an interview show. Michael is at heart an interviewer. So to get, to be able to ask him questions and for him to give us a little bit of insight into the interview process, into getting information and extracting information from people in the most effective way possible. You know, that's a really cool thing for just a college radio show to have. And how cool this, Michael got to really sit down with so many famous celebrities and we view him more as like a Yankee boy as a sports personality, but 
he really got to sit down with people outside of sports like like Larry David, like he mentioned, Terry Crews, Jay-Z. He really brings insight into all these interviews, especially in the book, which is a must read. Everyone must pick up. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, also, it was interesting. His A-Rod answer was very interesting because he's right. You see a real 180 from where A-Rod was then. Let's not, let's not get into it. Let's save it for the interview itself. It's coming well, after. Don't worry. There's... Uh, so it's confusion on my part. Sorry, guys. So there's... The answer was interesting because you, you, I don't know if you have another example to this extent of just someone going from, from nothing to really at the top again for a second time to have a chance to be at the top the second time again. I don't know if there's, could you guys think about anybody? In wait, the wait, before we think, that? before we think, I just want to say NYU execs, if you're listening, you heard Michael say that every college needs to have a course like this. Let's get it done. Let's be the first. Let, let's connect with A-Rod. Let's connect with Michael K. Let's get him back. Let's get this course going. I know Coop could handle that. I know, I know anyone could handle that. NYU's a top school that could do this. And Look at that pandering, Curtis. Look at that pander. <laughs> you, gotta, you, gotta, you, know, you, you know what it's about. I mean, you have to listen to Michael K. He's right. If I had a course like this, I would take it. He's right. And it's all just public relations and putting yourself out there. That's what I think it is. That's what I think it is. But I also want to get into, for the last two minutes that we have, I want to get into um, what he said about the Yankees and just their inability. Yeah, they, they have Rubenet Odor, but their inability to find players off the scrap heap like other teams have, like the Cubs have, the Mets have. They've overcome injuries, not even poor play. They've overcome injuries by finding guys off the scrap pile. And the Yankees haven't been able to do that so far. We saw them in 2018. This is a completely different team than that 2018 team that overcame the injuries, right? By, by dipping into the minor league depth. The Yankees don't have that minor league depth this year. Otherwise, we would have seen new guys. They didn't dip into the minor league depth that year, actually. They really, most of their acquisitions was based, it was based off acquisitions at, during, throughout the season with Mike Talkman, Luke Voigt, and the like. Oh, but Talkman was brought up that year. You have Talkman. No, no, no. No, no, no. no. He was traded before the season. Gio was traded for before the season. All these guys were traded for before the season. But they were still minor league depth. They were in the minor leagues. That's minor league depth. That's getting a little unfair with Urshela. Urshela was a starter in the World Series for the Indians. I mean, he 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 was never able to hit, though. Yeah, he he was just a defensive hand for the Indians, and he was on the Blue Jays. They got him. They got Talkman from the Rockies, so... Yeah, they were minor league depth because they weren't major league players, but... I'm not saying it's prospects. They, I'm saying minor league depth. If you look at it, who the Mets have. they really Billy the McKinney problem, played for the major leagues, but he's minor league depth. The problem is with the Yankees that they don't have anyone to give away to even get minor league depth. They, they're, they're, their minor league system isn't really good anymore. It's been depleted over the last couple of years. The baby bombers aren't babies anymore, and, and that, that relates more also towards their minor league system. All right, so we're going to get more into this. Um, we're going to dive deeper into this on our show on Sunday. Um, you catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, and on 89.1 FM. All right, thank you guys for listening make, to this interview. Sure Hope you enjoyed it. Book. Make sure to pick up the book by Michael Kay, um, Center Stage, My Most Fascinating Interviews from A-Rod to Jay-Z, anywhere you get your book. Thanks for listening to the Gotham Sports Report podcast. Tune in every Sunday at 4.30 on WNYU or catch us on Spotify.